This is episode number 117 with Charity Water founder, Scott Harrison. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. In 2004, I left the streets of New York City for the shores of West Africa. I'd made my living for years in the Big Apple, promoting top nightclubs and fashion events, for the most part living selfishly and arrogantly. Desperately unhappy, I needed to change. Faced with spiritual bankruptcy, I wanted desperately to revive a lost Christian faith with action and asked the question, what would the opposite of my life look like? Today's guest, everyone, is Scott Harrison, who is an incredible human being, went on about a decade of a dark path in his life, and then decided to turn it around to figure out what was really important to him and what would bring him true happiness. We dive into his story, his background, his experiences, what he's up to with Charity Water, how he's trying to make a change in the world, and how you can step up in your life if you're not feeling fulfilled, if you're not feeling called forth to already be doing what you're meant to do in this life. I'm very excited to introduce you to the one and only Scott Harrison. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. I'm very excited about today's guest, Mr. Scott Harrison. How are you doing, man? I'm good, man. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm very excited to dive in and connect with you. I've been hearing about you for a number of years. I supported building a well, I think, four years ago with Yannick Silver uh, in one of his events. And I'm all about your mission. I've, I've built a well with Generosity Water as well with Jordan and uh, very so excited cool. to, to learn more about why you're doing it all, how it all got started, and um, you know what you're up to now. So let's go ahead and get into why you got started. And I think it all started with your 31st birthday. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, I guess it started a little before there, but that, that was day one of Charity Water, my, my 31st birthday. And I had just come back from volunteering uh, in West Africa for, for about two years on a humanitarian mission. And uh, through my birthday party, uh, and instead of keeping the money, you know, from that we made on the night, I charged all my friends twenty bucks at the door. I gave them open bar, and we raised about fifteen thousand dollars for our first few water projects. 
And, uh, and then we were off to the races. Very cool. Now, why did you decide to, I mean, you were in nightclubs and you were a manager of nightclubs or you were, uh, excuse me, a promoter of nightclubs. So yeah. why was... Don't, uh, don't give you that much credit. <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't managing it. You were promoting them. Um, <laughs> but said the other day, someone's like, oh, yeah, Scott was in the hospitality business. <laughs> yeah, right. Far too much credit. <laughs> yeah, but you were in a lot. You were into drugs. You were into, you know, drinking constantly. And what, what made everything change from you deciding to make this your mission as opposed to being a successful promoter, I should say? Sure. I mean, it's a bit of a prodigal son story. You know, I was raised uh, in a conservative Christian family. My mom became an invalid when I was four years old. There was this terrible uh, carbon monoxide gas leak into uh, a new house we moved into, and it, it almost killed her and just completely destroyed her health. It irreparably damaged her immune system. So I really grew up uh, kind of as a good kid in a caregiver role, you know, helping to take care of mom, only child. Uh, active in my church, and then just at 18, crashed and burned. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like, it, you know, my life was a cliche. I mean, it's it's kind of sad to just think about, you know, <laughs> move to the city, grow my hair down to my shoulders, start drinking, start smoking, you know, start, uh, you know, trying all the drugs that I could. And, uh, and it just led to a kind of decadent, dark 10-year period of my life. Uh, I, I mean, mean, it was... It was a decade. I'm sad to say. Why did it? Why did it crash? If you had this good foundation, and these good values and morals, and you know habits that you were creating, and support group, it sounded like. Why did it all crash? Man, Lewis, I don't know. Uh, you know <laughs> the rebellious spirit. I mean, my my parents were amazing. You know, it's funny. I was doing an interview recently about um, being a dad, and I just had my first kid, and you know, they were reflecting on you know what my dad could have done differently to not raise a prodigal. Right. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. He did everything right. You know, he was amazing and uh, stood by my mom through her sickness and just was a man of honor and integrity. And you know, something in me. I don't know, you know, there's that story in the Bible where the, the prodigal son kind of, you know, gives his dad the middle finger for no reason and <laughs> says, I'm going to take my birthright and I'm going to go hang out with hookers. Wow. And, uh, you know, he winds up in the pig pen, comes back and, <laughs> you know, the father in that story is portrayed just as this, you know, after all of that, after all his son put him through, he goes running to him, he throws him a party, he puts him in the best clothes and, and welcomes him back. So crazy. You know, my, my, my dad was, was kind of the dad in that story. And I was, I was the prodigal that kind of gave everybody the middle finger. So it was, it was 10 years of just, I think part of it was just, uh, you know, being told you're not allowed to do stuff. Mm. Um, and you know, I was being told through kind of the rules of the church not to have fun. So I wanted to go and, and do that stuff I wasn't allowed to do. And, 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 you know, on the outside, you know, I looked like a successful uh, club promoter and we were jumping into, you know, town cars with models and flying around to Milan and Paris and chasing fashion week and really chasing the party around the world. But it's, it's a pretty lonely, sad existence. You know, I mean, I was going to dinner at 10, the club at 12 after hours at five and, you know, other people would be on their lunch break when, uh, you know, normal people, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> when, when I'm trying to get to sleep, you know, to then wake up and do it all over again. So, wow. you know, it, it was, you know, when the lights come on, um, it was it was kind of sad. So I, I realized uh, how 
I basically realized that the legacy I was leaving after 10 years, you know, I, I came to my senses uh, at 28 years old after a decade, you know, on my tombstone was going to read, you know, here lies a man who got people wasted <laughs> right? <laughs> his entire life. And, you know, I was going to be a 50-year-old club owner that looked like I was 150. Right. Uh, and, you know, if I even made it that far. So it was, it was interesting, you know, my parents had laid such a good foundation that I was able to come back very quickly and kind of rediscover, you know, the values and the morality and some of the spirituality that, you know, I had, I, I, I had just kind of walked away from, but it hadn't been lost. And I, I really wanted to reclaim that through service. You know, I, I wasn't interested in, in becoming a preacher or, or kind of getting involved in the church again, but I, I was really interested in, in serving the poor and I was interested in justice and compassion. And, you know, for 10 years I had lived just selfishly. I mean, it's, it was all about me. And I thought, you know, what would the exact 180, what would the opposite picture of my life look like? Uh, and, and I thought that would be serving, uh, serving the poor. Um, and, and using whatever skills I could bring to, to them uh, for good. So that led me on a humanitarian mission for a couple of years. And on that mission, uh, where I had volunteered as a uh, photojournalist, because um, I was always a decent writer and a decent photographer, and I had this massive nightclub list of people that I could communicate to, I learned that the reason people were getting sick is because they were drinking nasty water. They were drinking from swamps and ponds and rivers. And here I was with doctors who were treating the symptoms, but the root cause of so much of the sickness was, was the lack of access to clean water. So that's kind of how I discovered the cause. And at the time, there were a billion people on the planet that didn't have clean water. And I just, I couldn't believe that. I mean, the water crisis for me and my friends was the fact that, you know, Voss water cost 10 bucks in our clubs. <laughs> right. You know, uh, I mean, we, we had never gone thirsty in our lives. Uh, we had never had to drink from, you know, swamps or ponds or rivers. We didn't know of anyone that died of diarrhea. But yet this was, this was a daily reality for, for a billion people. And I kind of found, uh, found my what, I guess you could say, that the mission that I would go after. Mm. Interesting. Wow, this is fascinating. And you were there for two years on this kind of uh, humanitarian service. Is that what you said? Yeah. Saying? Yeah, it was two eight-month tours and then in between. So I was living on a hospital ship. It was a fascinating wow. organization that sailed a 522-foot converted yacht uh, up and down the African coast. And, and we lived in uh, we lived in Liberia. So we rolled into Liberia right after the 14-year civil war had ended. Um, and, you know, again, I, you know, I, I knew the VIP rooms in Paris and Milan, uh, not a war-torn country with no electricity, <laughs> no running water, no sewage, no mail. Wow. And 14,000, you know, United Nations troops, um, barbed wire, you know, choppers, uh, tanks. I mean, it was a military state. So I was really kind of thrown into the fire uh, very quickly. And I loved it. I mean, I loved the people. I loved Africa. I loved the doctors who had given up their vacation time. And instead of taking their families to, to the Bahamas, they had taken their families to Liberia to use their gifts in the service of others. So it was, it was such an amazing place and an amazing two years. Wow. What was the most surprising thing or most heart-lifting thing that you learned about humanity during those two eight-month stints? So 
there was a man there who was the chief medical officer, and his name was Dr. Gary Parker, and he was the closest thing I've ever had to to a mentor. He had uh, joined for three months, and that was 30 years ago. He just never left. He was a plastic surgeon from California, hmm. and you know this man had, uh, you know, it was he'd been in 23 years uh, when I joined. So I guess this was seven, eight years ago, and just. Uh, the selflessness of the doctors who could be out there, you know, making tons of money, um, just using their talents for good um, was really humbling. On the patient side, you know, it's it's hard to explain what it was like. We we would rent soccer stadiums uh, to to screen patients. You know, so I remember my third day on the mission. Uh, we'd first started in a country called Benin, West Africa, that a lot of people haven't even heard of. I certainly hadn't at the time. Uh, but we we had about 1,500 surgery slots over a four-month period. And I remember turning up to the football stadium, you know, curious to see who would come up, like how many sick people would, would turn up. And there were over 5,000 people wow. huge outside the stadium. And I remember just weeping. Oh I, I just I. I broke down just sobbing, you know, realizing that you know, over 3,500 people were going to be sent home. And these were people who had come with hope. They had come, uh, you know, hoping that our doctors would help them. And just we didn't have enough doctors. We didn't have enough surgery slots. We didn't have enough ships. The need was so far greater than, um, than we were able to meet. Mm. Wow. That's, in- that's in crazy. I mean, just to think of how many people were waiting. Uh, I mean, it was a sea of people. And, you know, to give you a picture of Liberia at the time, uh, after this 14-year civil war, you know, now the story has been Ebola, but at the time it was Charles Taylor, you know, he just fled the country and we're trying to put the pieces back together. But there was one doctor for every 50,000 citizens. Oh my gosh. Here in America, we have a doctor for 180 of us. Wow. So if you got sick, you were SLO. You know, there, there, was, there was no, I think there were two surgeons in the country and nowhere to operate. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, the, the need was just so, so great. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of forever an optimist, and I was able to really focus on the 1,500 people that we were able to help. Mm. And it, it was amazing. Lewis, I mean, you know, blind people, I remember this one woman named Marguerite and she, so, you know, Liberia is right on the equatorial band and she was, you know, could see her entire life. And in in her early twenties, if I remember correctly, she goes blind just with cataracts and, you know, there's no Ray-Bans, there's no UV protection. So she can't see her kids and you know, five years later, she comes to the screening. We bring her on the ship. And I was there. I, I would scrub up all the time to document these surgeries. And I, rem- I watched her surgery. And it took like 10 minutes. You know, a guy just cut a little slit in her eye, you know, tweezers, popped the cataract out, put in the new lens, sewed her up. And I, I remember the next day I was there with my camera when they took off the patch. And she was able to see oh because of 10 or 15-minute surgery. And she just went ballistic. She started screaming, <laughs> dancing. Her sister was there. She tackled her sister. She tackled the nurse. She, you know, grabs me around the waist. And I mean, it just, I, I mean, for, for the price of a bottle of absolute vodka in a nightclub, you know, a woman could get her sight back wow. and be able to 
see her children. So it was that kind of place. It was just filled with stories, and oh, and man. and you really focused on the people that you were able to help. How long was she blind for? I think she's blind for five years. Oh my gosh! I mean, and it's crazy. I mean, you know, the, these cataracts were just. Uh, I mean you could just see these things. They were so visible. Wow. And it's such a simple surgery. That's crazy. Now I've got so many questions I want to ask you just about this last few things you talked about. First, I want to talk about your parents. Were your parents supportive for the 10 years that you were basically off being the most selfish man that you could be? I would call them patient. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. Um, That's a decade of patience. That's a long time. You know, they just, they would just say that they prayed for me for 10 years to, to come back, um, to come back to the values and the, you know, the morality that, that they had, um, you know, they'd known me to be one thing. And, you know, I, I hadn't, I mean, I wasn't terrible to them. (laughs) I would kind of brag about my, um, my escapades, but, you know, I would go and see them at holidays and, you know, I, I wasn't kind of estranged. They just didn't approve of my lifestyle. Sure. Gotcha. So what do they think of you now that you live a life of full service in giving back? Well, I mean, they're pretty happy, I think. (laughs) My dad, I uh, got to see me give a speech on Monday night to, you know, a thousand people. And um, he's, he got to see me speak to 14,000 people once at a stadium, you know, about charity water and just, you know, was kind of beaming afterwards. Uh, so I think they're, I think they're proud. The uh, patience paid off. The patience paid <laughs> off. And I think the cool thing for them, you know, and, and even for me is that, you know, I was able to redeem a lot of the things that I learned in that decade, you know, in... I say sometimes that I was telling the wrong story for 10 years. Mm. You know, I was telling the story with my life that if you got past my velvet rope, if you got in the door with a one-way glass, if you were with the pretty girls, if you spent three grand on champagne, then, Lewis, your life had meaning. Mm. Um, and, and for the last you know, 10 years uh, since I started um, the volunteer service and then Charity Water eight years ago, you know, it's a story of if you live a life of generosity, if you live a life of compassion and empathy, then, you know, you'll find freedom in service. You'll find freedom in giving. So I'm still a storyteller. Um, Charity Water has made 400 videos over the last eight years. We're, we're just telling a much more redemptive story, I think, than the, uh, you know, come get drunk with us story. <laughs> right. Why is service such an important key to fulfillment and happiness and living a great life? Oh, man. Um, you know, I, I think the, the best way I ever heard it put is that there's a real freedom that comes through service, through, through others, you know, that we're sometimes in shackles trying to serve ourselves. Like there is, you know, there was a point in, in the nightclub business, um, there was just never enough. There would never be enough money. There would never be enough girls. There would never be enough parties. There would never be enough fame or status or, you know, you would never have the most famous people at the club. And, you know, this kind of endless pursuit, this insatiable pursuit of self, um, you know, when that's turned around, you can celebrate, uh, uh, you know, I guess there's always the, the Oscar Schindler moment, right? Where, you know, at the end of his whole life, he's like, well, if I could have saved more people. Um, but it's just, it's such a different way of living in service of others. You know, there's a, there's a joy, there's a release, there's a freedom 
um, and and just something beautiful about being able to use your gifts. And and I'm not saying that everyone listening to this show needs to go full on and become a humanitarian. And you know, but but if that's if that's helping out at your local you know homeless shelter, if it's cooking meals, if it's going to read um, to people you know in, in a in an elderly home, um, if it's you know if it's mentoring uh, a, a kid and just being a friend. You know, it's, it's time, it's talent, it's money. Um, it's a combination of all those things. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. What, what if no one has ever been of service really in the past and they think that giving up their time or their money is going to take them away from achieving what they want for themselves? What do you say to someone like that who's maybe never experienced it or was never really understood about giving and being of service, do you feel like they'll ever be fully happy or is it you have to be, basically your foundation has to come from a place of service and giving as part of your daily life in order to be fully happy? I think so, yeah. I just don't think you can be, uh, I mean, I know some of the the most miserable people in the world that are some of the most successful and rich people uh, that I've ever met. Um, so I, I, I've kind of seen that play out, that uh, and, and, you know, they, they could be, you know, worth billions of dollars and not feel like they're rich enough. Right. <laughs> you know, they, they, they don't even have the time to spend the money that they've made, but it's, it's that, that endless pursuit of more. Right, no, right. I think, I think service and caring for others is just, is, is foundational to, um, to being happy and, and to living a life and, and leaving a legacy that you could actually be proud of or that your kids or your grand, grandkids, mm. you know, could be proud of. Right. Um, yeah, I really. I mean, I, I do really believe that. I, I think that one of the challenges. So my wife had tried. So she she actually volunteered. She's now my wife. At the time, she had volunteered at Charity Water, and I wound up hiring her. And then we wound up getting married, and she became our creative director. And we really kind of built the organization together over the last eight years. But I remember something she said to me. She hit a similar point to mine. You know, minus all the debauchery. And she went to try and, you know, volunteer somewhere and it just fell flat. And she was even disenchanted with that process because I think she was just kind of standing in a, in a soup line and right. it just didn't feel like she was adding any value. Now, my wife is one of the most genius creatives. She can animate, she can draw, she can take pictures, she can shoot video, she can edit video, she's a graphic designer. And, and I think, 
you know, when she volunteered with us and she was using those skills, the things she was uniquely qualified to do, she found the happiness. Mm. So I think as, as I was, I would try to, you know, give people advice, you know, it, um, like figure out your say, gifts and then apply those to what you want to give back with. Exactly. And, and, you know, and, and there's nothing against standing in a line in a soup kitchen. We've actually done that together and, and it's been kind of, you know, a rewarding experience as well. But, you know, if you're, yeah, I would, I would try and find those things that give you life mm. and, and, and find a way to contribute. You know, maybe you're a photographer and you can go on a humanitarian mission and help a small organization tell their stories better right. um, or create better content for them. Or maybe you're a writer or yeah, I, I think there's, there's something about using your gifts in the service of others um, in a, in a non-generic way, in sure. a really, in a way that brings you to life. I mean, e even myself, sometimes, you know, I try and give a percentage of my time to mentor others. And, you know, I get approached by a lot of charities that are starting up now. And there's nothing worse than spending an hour of my time just feeling like I haven't helped anyone, mm. you know, cause they didn't ask the right questions or, you know, but, but when I'm re when I really do feel like I'm able to help something, you want to do three more hours, right? <laughs> you make an so impact. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So it's, I think it's just trying to find that, that sweet spot of, you know, here are my strengths. Here's what I can uniquely offer to a local organization, to an international organization. For some people, it really is money. I mean, we have donors who are, are, are out crushing it, working 60 hour weeks, building their business. And they're like, Scott, I can't come with you to Africa. Uh, I can't go help you consult on any of this, but I can write you a big check. And maybe at some point in my life that'll change. But right now what I have to offer is I can be really generous with money of other people that say, I have no money. I can't even afford to, to come to your gala. But what I could offer is to run a fundraising campaign or give up my birthday, or I could volunteer and you know, and, and help, um, help you guys stuff envelopes, uh, for tax receipts. So that's cool. Yeah. And I would also, you know, probably want to include that find something that you have a, a deep emotional connection with as well. You know, you had this connection where you saw people dying because they didn't have clean water and dealing with lots of medical issues that they didn't need to be dealing with that we don't have to deal with here in the U S in the States. And, you know, that's the reason I joined the advisory board for Pencil Promise because I felt this connection to education for kids because I didn't feel like it was really challenging for me to learn growing up. And I had a hard time all through school and I wanted to be a support for kids to have great education. And uh, I think that's something to, you know, take notice of as well is really find something you connect with emotionally that you can really put some energy behind, not just show up at a soup kitchen unless you're really passionate about it. Sure. Yeah. So can you talk about the whole birthday movement that you created? Yeah, so the you know the idea there was giving, you know, when when we were building Charity Water, we didn't want to build Charity Water for the rich or for the elite, um, and and you know I think you hinted earlier um, at kind of the why and and some some of the viewers might have seen Simon Sinek's uh, very popular TED mm -hmm. talk about just the importance of knowing why you do what you do. And that the great brands, the great organizations, the great companies are so clear about their why. And they attract people who believe the same thing as them. Um, so for us, you know, the why was actually about giving and generosity and compassion. It was about reinventing charity. Uh, so when I started, you know, I realized that a lot of my friends were disenchanted with charities. They didn't know where their money was going. They, you know, they, they weren't into the poverty porn. They you know, they were being made to feel guilty and, 
um, kind of being shame marked, marketed uh, into giving. And I really wanted to change the way people thought about giving, the way they related to, to charity. Charity means love. If you go back to the, the root, it's, it's caritas in the Latin. It just simply means to love your neighbor. And, you know, th- that's not what it had been to a lot of my friends. So as we were thinking and building it, you know, we, we weren't going to kind of go after, you know, government money. You know, we, we weren't really going to have a huge foundation uh, approach. We wanted everyday people to be able to engage and contribute and make a difference in, in serving others, you know, with something so basic. So our what was really water. Right. Every single person surely can believe in a world where everyone has clean water. Mm. You know, no kid should be drinking dirty water. No woman should be walking eight hours a day, you know, in the hot sun with 40 pounds of nasty water on her back that she knows is going to kill her kids of diarrhea. Like everybody could stand for clean water. So the birthday uh, movement, we just kind of we stumbled into so many things at Charity Water. You know, we kind of just got lucky by <laughs> trying a lot of stuff and, and enough stuck. And it really started because the only thing I knew how to do to start the organization was to throw a party in a nightclub. Right. I mean, you know, I, I knew how to get a bunch of people together and throw parties. So day one, I tried to kind of redeem that experience. And the best party nightclub promoters have every year is their birthday because you get to call in all the favors. Right. So, you know, you kind of ha- like if we're friends, you kind of have to stop by. You got to show up. Yeah, yeah. You got to show up at the birthday party. So, so that came together. So day one of Charity Water was my birthday party with open bar. And then I just said, all right, guys, and by the way, everyone has to throw in 20 bucks <laughs> for clean water, which wound up being $15,000 and enough for a few projects. Wow. So on the one-year anniversary, you know, I, I wanted to kind of mature past the event. And, and really, the event didn't scale. I, I guess I could have gotten a venue to, that held a thousand people, and maybe I could have charged thirty or forty at the door, but it wasn't real impact. And I thought, you know, I'm I'm too old for this. <laughs> what if What if I asked for my age in dollars? And I I thought that might be the sticky kind of, um, you know, the marketing message, right? Give me thirty two bucks for my thirty second birthday. And a hundred percent of the money will go directly to help people get clean water. And in fact, if I reach my goal, I will fly to Kenya and I will drill the well via satellite. So mm. you can all see exactly where your money is going into the ground. You can see the community getting clean water. So I wasn't sure if that would work, but I knew that everybody had 32 bucks they could give to charity water. Mm. You know, e- even if you came to the club in a taxi and you tipped the bartender, it was going to spend, it was going to cost you 30 bucks right. on the evening. So I just emailed everyone I knew, and to my surprise, I raised about $60,000 just online with no cost. Flew out, drilled the well. um, People got to see where their money went, so that was really exciting. Drilled a couple. And then uh, this seven-year-old kid in Austin, Texas, hears about the idea, and he starts knocking on doors asking for $7 for his seventh Mm. birthday. So Max Schmidhauser raises $22,000. Wow. And then we had an 89-year-old start asking for $89, uh, Nona Ween, and she writes this beautiful mission statement saying, you know, I'd like people in Africa to be able to have more birthdays, mm. you know, realizing that she's double the life expectancy simply because of where she was born, you know, than, than the people in some of these countries where we were, 
we're working and serving. So we realized this is just kind of a it's a it's a beautiful idea. It kind of fights the materialism of the day. You know, Lewis, you don't need a tie or a belt or an <laughs> iTunes gift card. I've for got your, enough gifts. You got enough stuff, man. Yeah. You don't you, you don't need anything else. And there, you know, there are a billion people without access to clean water. So if you could turn your birthday into a redemptive, generous act, a generous moment, and you could involve the people that love you, your friends and family, and everybody could see where 100% of the money went, like who wouldn't want to give up their birthday? Right. Who would want to donate a birthday to help others? So I mean, this birthday movement just sort of started to organically grow in 16-year-olds and 9-year-olds and 11-year-olds and 53-year-olds and um, people all over the world started giving up their birthdays in pounds and euros and um, and dollars and, you know, helped a lot of people through that. And how much, how much builds a well right now? So it's about $10,000 to drill a well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Charity Water now works in 22 different countries. So it, we, we, we're, we're solution agnostic. So we fund, uh, about seven different water technologies from, mm-hmm. um, a $65 bio sand filter to a quarter of a million dollar pipe system that would serve seven villages. Wow. You know, through a network of pipes and tap stands. Uh, we've done rain, rainwater harvesting systems, carbon filters, pond filters, shallow wells, deep wells, tap stands. So it, it's a little hard. You know, the, you know, there are $65 solutions, there are a quarter of a million dollar solution, there are $18,000 wells or $6,000 wells. Sure. But 10 grand is kind of that average. average. Gotcha. Community. Interesting. And how much have you guys raised since the very first party? You know, we have raised about $165 million. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. Congrats. Yeah, and by the end of this year, we'll have helped, um, we'll have funded enough water projects for 5 million people. Oh, my god. So gosh. this year, this year has been a big year. We'll do a million people this year, which is about 2,700 people every day of the year that got clean water. So uh, how, many, how many birthdays do you think you've created by providing clean water from the beginning? I think about 35,000 people have given up their birthday, which... I mean, how um, many, sorry, let me reframe it. How many birthdays have you created because of oh, clean water? Oh, have we created? Oh, I didn't get it. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a wonderful thing to think about. You know, I, dirty water is one of the leading causes of, of death under five, um, which is just crazy. It's diarrhea. Kids simply die of diarrhea. Oh. They drink bad water. They get dehydrated. They drink more bad water, and they die of dehydration from the diarrhea. Um, so yeah, I think, I think we've, we've certainly saved, you know, 10, tens of thousands of lives and, and improved, you know, dramatically the, the lives of, you know, 5 million people. Mm. Was Schindler's List a big, uh, impact on your life, that movie? Um, you know, that, that last moment I think mm-hmm. was kind of profound. I don't, I don't want to feel like that. I don't want to go out like that, right. you know, and, and that was just so sad, you know, to see someone that had done so much and had fought so hard, kind of look back on, you know, from what I remember of it, look back on the life and legacy and say, I didn't do enough. Mm. Um, so I think that, that warning or that, that picture of Oscar at the end is, is, yeah, it's like a warning to me. Like, I I don't want to, you know, I want to end and look back and celebrate the wins and celebrate the people we were able to help and celebrate the generous people here who, you know, gave of their time and their talent and their money to serve others. Um, and if it's, you know, 10 million people with clean water or 100 million people or, you know, or 350 million people that, that we've been able to get clean water, you know, I want to be, I, I want to feel really proud about the way that we did it, about the process and the mm-hmm. integrity that we had you know, in the way we went about 
Yeah, because 100% of people's donations goes towards uh, funding a well. Is that right? Yeah, and let me tell you, it's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you told me a story yesterday when we were talking about how you almost had to shut down uh, the whole charity because you didn't have funding to support the staff, right? Yeah, so you know, the idea at the beginning was uh, the public doesn't trust charities, and <laughs> they, they don't. Uh, you know, they they feel often like charities are black holes, and they don't know how much of their money actually reaches the people and and the impact it has. So I thought one way to get people who may be disenchanted around giving around charity to to get engaged would be to promise them that we would never step on their money, that every single penny would go directly to build water projects. And then because we didn't step on the money, we could show them their water projects. We could say, you know, this is your well that you built and here are the photos and the GPS of it. So to do that, we had to go find other people to pay for overhead, which is a lot less uh, attractive <laughs> than, than paying for a well. Um, you know, who wants to pay for insurance and office and electricity and phone bills and flights and staff salaries? And, you know, I was just trying to scrap together two or you know, basically trying to build two organizations in perfect balance, you know, from a friend's couch with absolutely no money at the beginning. <laughs> um, one of the hardest things, you know, I've ever done in my life. And um, about a year and a half in, we had raised a couple million dollars for water projects. So the 100% model was really working. But we were about to run out of funding and you know, about to be unable to make payroll. And, you know, it's interesting, the advice I got at that moment, some friends were saying, dude, you got tons of money. Just borrow from it, pay your staff, and you know, pay it back later. Nobody will know. <laughs> you know. Money's fungible. You know, you can't let something as beautiful as charity water, you know, go bankrupt just because of your principles. And I remember being so offended by that and saying, <laughs> you know, I will shut this thing down, grant out all the public's money for the water projects, and then do a reboot and be like every other charity in the world. Um, but I wouldn't touch a you know a penny from that bank account. And at that moment, uh, a stranger walked into the office, uh, spent about two hours with, uh, with him, and he wound up wiring a million dollars oh in gosh. staff bank account, um, which was over a year's worth of funding and runway. And, you know, as I've had time to reflect on that, and um, I should say that couple has actually donated $10 million towards the overhead wow. since um, over the last seven years. So they, they continue to stay with the organization um, as huge patrons. But I think at that moment, it was the belief in the mottos, the belief in me as much as the money um, and just the runway. And he basically said with that, look, I, I like this model. I like the clarity of it. I don't trust charities either. You just need more time. You know, here's one person who believes in overhead. Go find a hundred more of me. Mm -hmm. And that's the model today. There are a hundred and four individuals who cover the entire overhead of Charity Water, 70 staff, um, you know, flights around to 22 countries, you know, the office, you name it. And that's made it possible for 500,000 people to give where 100% of their money goes to the field. Amazing. Amazing. And I'm curious, what was your way of being in that meeting that was so inspiring and enrolling that, um, you know, they would want to support you? Obviously, you're doing something positive and you know, doing a great cause, but you had to have been so confident and powerful in your way of being that was unshakable. What what was that like? Lewis, it might have been the opposite. <laughs> I, from what I remember about it, I think I was just very transparent. I think I was passionate about the idea, but also not trying to pretend, mm. you know, that, that 
that, you know, <laughs> we, we weren't in trouble. Right. Um, I don't think I put the face on and was like, we're crushing it, we're crushing it, you know, but really we're about to run out of money. But you were really, you actually became vulnerable is what you were doing. I, I think so. From what I remember of that was, yeah, we're crushing it. This idea is working. It is, you know, people are responding and giving money to clean water, but I can't seem to figure out this other thing. You know, we're, we're not crushing it at all on the other right. bank. You know? right. And I really need... I need some help. I have not discovered it. So I think it was probably a mix of vision um, and vulnerability or just honesty. Mm. Um, what was funny, too, about that was uh, I thought he didn't like me at all. He turned out just to be British. <laughs> <laughs> I joke about later, you know, and, um, you know, th this is um, an amazing family that's become dear friends and has now you know, they've traveled to me to five different countries, six different countries around the world. Wow. But I, I didn't think the meeting had gone well. Interesting. And then they just came back the next day or later that day and, and gave no, you No, he notes? wired it a couple days later. He sent me an email. Oh said he'd gosh. gotten the, the instructions of our bank account from someone at the office. And said, Shut up. So and, you didn't even know and, he was doing it. No, no. I mean, <laughs> dude, I had, I had been praying to God. I'm like, please, please, you know, I don't want to shut this down. Um, and I remember praying with very little faith. I mean, I really, I thought it was over. And I got his email at 12.30 a.m. in the morning. I was sitting in bed on the laptop. And you know, it was like a short email. Uh, Scott, great meeting you. Uh, <laughs> I hope it's okay. I wired a million dollars. I hope uh, it's okay. Yeah, keep keep on rocking, I remember he said. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I, I remember logging on to the bank account. And there it was. One comma zero, 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 comma zero, zero. I just, dude, I lost it. I started sobbing. Oh, was, my gosh. I woke up my nine staff, you know, the, the calls started going out until 2.30 in the morning. And it was, it was such a game changer. And, wow. You know, I, I have a, I'm, I'm on a charity salary, but I do have a dream at some point of being able to make a million dollar gift, you know, to another organization somehow um, that, that would be as transformative. Wow. Um, you know, and it's funny, I just, I just saw him yesterday or he, he was in town a couple of days ago. And, uh, you know, I was I was saying, um, I mean, we're now one of the we're kind of in the top 300 charities of America just from size out of 1.2 million charities. And I'm like, man, you you did this like you invested in us. I and mean, we were, you know, we were nine kids um, with an idea. And, you know, you've really helped kind of build, you know, build something that that a lot of people have 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 been involved in and is really making a difference so yeah i hope to i hope to be able to return the favor at some point uh, sure. not just with my time or mentorship but you know by by making a substantial gift at some point sure wow now with all of the let's say uh, issues here in the states locally and in you know new york city which is where i believe you live right now do you ever get flack for saying, well, why are you going outside of the country when there's so much that we could still be doing to work here for, you know, all the, all the issues that we currently have? Only from people who aren't doing anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, every once in a while I get the, you know, the person who comes up, you know, after conferences says, well, what about the people, you know, in Appalachia that don't have clean water? I'm like, great. What are you doing about it? <laughs> right. Um, you know, there. I think specifically to water, you know, officially the United States of America has 100% water coverage. Uh, the countries we're working in might have 34% right. coverage. Um, and, and there are some pockets of, of people here where there's water scarcity, but it looks more like you jump into your Toyota Camry, you drive down to the 7-Eleven, you <laughs> fill up clean water um, in, in your buckets, and you take it home um, because yeah. – 
you know, some mining company has, you know, contaminated. You're not walking five hours to a swamp and drinking dirty water that's mm-hmm. killing you and your family. So it's just, there, there's such a kind of, um, there's such a chasm between the severity of those issues here. And, and, and not to say they're not important for, for those people at all. We've just chosen to work at the very sure. bottom of the sure. pyramid. So gotcha. we're after the hundred million poorest people, you know, if you look at the water crisis, um, and it's just so hard to compare. I mean, I, I was living in a village earlier this year in Ethiopia. I spent a week hiking nine hours into a village and, you know, the, the community had to walk very far for water. And there was a 13 year old girl in the village who was walking eight hours a day after one walk one day, she, she breaks her clay pot. She falls and she breaks her clay pot and all of the water that she has just fetched uh, after an entire day's walk uh, spills out. And instead of going back to the water hole, she hangs herself from a tree, mm. um, you know, throws a noose around her neck. 13-year-old girl in a village called Maida. So you know, it's hard to – we don't get many objectors um, you know, to – to, to trying to help people, you know, living in those uh, such extreme environments. You know, I encourage people, if they're interested in conservation, go and find a great conservation charity and support them. I mean, mm. not everyone needs to support charity water. The, the, the typical critic is doing nothing. They're giving right. to nothing. They're right. volunteering to nothing. Um, and, and even my wife and I, you know, we give, we give significantly, um, you know, even on our nonprofit salaries to charity water, we're, we're big supporters of our own cause, but mm. you know, we'll give to 30 other things this year, um, small amounts, but we love living vicariously through other people doing great work. Sure. Um, you know, I give to pencils of promise as well. Uh, yeah. we give to, you know, people working on orphanages. We give to a local homeless shelter in Tribeca, New York. So a bunch of different things with, with your time and with your, your money. Um, it's typically the, the main objectors, you know, <laughs> aren't right. doing much. Right. Exactly. Um, a couple questions left for you, Scott. And well, I think you mentioned that it, when you started, there was a billion people that didn't have clean water or somewhere around a billion. Is that right? Yep. And the problem is getting better. The, the latest data, um, if you'd asked me a year ago, I would have said 780 million. The latest data is 748 million. Wow. So it's, it's kind of beautiful to be a part of a problem that is being solved around the world. Mm. So, you know, Charity Water is, is kind of uh, almost 5 million now of that. Um, and, and our, you know, we're going after 100 million people. Wow. You know, I think that would be amazing to make that our legacy. 100 million of, of the world's kind of you know, the poorest rural, um, what we're seeing is the governments are tackling the urban areas and the peri-urban areas. And the last mile, you know, the farmers who are walking eight hours a day are kind of the last to get served. So we're starting at the bottom. We're seeing, you know, governments kind of come at the top and hopefully we meet closer towards the middle. Mm -hmm. So it is good news when it comes to you know, the problem being solved. And, and honestly, there's a lot of good news. I mean, there's great news in, in the world of HIV AIDS. There's great news in the world of malaria. You know, I think sometimes there's this sense that, you know, oh my gosh, Africa's just a black hole and it just keeps getting worse. <laughs> and, oh, you know, people, this is dead aid and people have been doing this. No, it's actually getting a lot better. Mm. Um, you know, Bill Gates has written some really um, well uh, thought out and well researched, you know, data to try and debunk some of those myths. I think, you know, if, if people can spread that story that, you know, that it's a black hole and the poor are getting poorer, that, that relieves them of their excuse to give. And it's just not true. 
um, it, it's actually getting better. You know, the money is helping. The uh, the the organizations getting smarter about the way that they provide services and implement. You know, the, the glass is really half full. That's cool. When do you want to achieve this this vision buy of 100 million people? Well, I'd love to do it over 10 years, over the next 10 years. So, you know, we're 5% of the way there. So we would definitely need a lot more birthdays. <laughs> right. But, you know, here's here's a crazy thing. The average birthday campaign for Charity Water raises $1,000. So think about a million people donating their birthdays. You know, that would be a billion dollars for for clean water. So, you know, just an idea like that, if we could actually get that out there into the masses... Mm. Um, right. And you know we're we're hampered with you know an ad budget of zero right. <laughs> as, as a nonprofit, but you know that that's why we you know we turn up and and we do this kind of stuff. And I speak a hundred times a year, and we're just really trying to put these ideas sure. out there and, and let people take a hold of them and make them their own. Yeah. Well, well how can someone sign up to do donate their birthday? Uh, you know, next birthday. What can they do? Yeah, and I know you've you've um, you know helps help build a well. There's um, yeah, you can go to charitywater.org/slash/birthdays, and we just have a little simple pledge form. Um, and if your birthday's a year from now, we remind you a few weeks before the birthday, and it's it's pretty simple. I've done five or six birthdays now. Uh, we just did our our baby's birthday. Oh. It just works. People love it. That's cool. Yeah. Um, the average, like again, the average person raises a thousand dollars from fifteen of their friends and family. <laughs> And cool. it's just, it's kind of a unique idea and, you know, nobody wants to get you a tie or a belt or an Amazon <laughs> gift card anyway. Right, right. You know, they would much rather. And they know, feel good about giving as well. They do, they do. And it's, yeah. and it's fun also to be able to see actually that impact and see where the money went. Sure. So yeah, charitywater.org slash birthdays and it's a, it's a great experience. You know, I've, I've eaten my own dog food five or six years in a row now. Yeah, and if you don't want to necessarily donate your whole birthday, if you still want your gifts, you can go to charitywater.org and just make a donation, right? And 100% yeah, of it just, goes to something. That's right, Lewis. Or just learn. You know, you could go and 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 learn about the water crisis and watch some of the videos and um, just just share the story um, with someone else. I like that. A couple questions left for you, Scott. I want to know what you're most grateful for recently. Well, I just became a dad, so I am oh, incredibly grateful for this little uh, – drooling bundle of uh, joy in my life now who, who will not sleep more than a couple hours at a time. But uh, my wife and I just had our first child, um, little boy, his name is Jackson. And it's, uh, it's just amazing. Um, cool. it's, it's, yeah. So, so grateful for the opportunity to be a father. It's a game changer. Yeah. I was looking at your Instagram photos earlier and I see you in bed with the little guy just like rubbing your nose with his fist or something. It's really cute. Yeah, he's the best. <laughs> he's the best. I, I might have, I might have uh, you know, given him a little, uh, rolled, his, rolled his fingers into the ball. <laughs> of course. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so what is it you want your epitaph to say now when it's all said and done? You know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is, uh, is in the New Testament, a book called James, and it says, True religion is to look after widows and orphans and to keep yourself from being polluted. So uh, something around that, you know, like mm -hmm. lived a life of, of integrity and was a great husband and was a great dad and a great friend and, you know, made decisions, you know, that were grounded in integrity and honesty and, you know, lived a generous life. Um, and then, you know, helped a lot of people. So I, I think, um, yeah, it's, it's, it, 
some, something along those lines, you know, and, and, and from, from such a contrast to what I was, you know, I was kind of, I did nothing for others and I was, you know, I was a polluter. <laughs> I was kind of an active polluter. <laughs> sure. Sure. That's cool. I like that. And I'll, I'll need to make that a little briefer. <laughs> <laughs> well, before I ask you the final question, I want to acknowledge you, Scott, for your awareness you created such awareness, inner awareness with yourself to recognize that, hey, this actually isn't what is serving me or serving anyone else, what you were doing for the decade that you were doing it. And I want to acknowledge you for your commitment over the last decade to stay in the fire and keep going under extreme uh, you know, adversity and many challenges and having to come up with a whole new model for charities and not have any money on your own to make it happen and for all the people's lives that you're making a difference in it's inc it's inspiring it's incredible and i'm so blessed and honored to know that you are living in our world during this time and making an impact so i want to acknowledge you for your effort and your commitment and dedication to service well thank you so much man that's so kind yeah and uh, hopefully we can meet up one day soon and uh, I'll give you a big hug. But in the meantime, I want to ask you the final question, which is, what, right. which is what I ask everyone. And it is, what's your definition of greatness? Oh, man, I think it's a life lived with integrity and generosity. I love it. Scott Harrison, you are a gift to the world. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your message. Dude, thanks so much for having me. And thanks for all you have done for water and education. And I know a bunch of other stuff you've supported. My pleasure, man. Thank you. See ya. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Scott. Again, very inspiring individual and story for me to connect with. And hopefully you gained a lot of wisdom and insights from his storytelling. And you can tap into what these stories mean for you. And I want you to take a look at your life. You know, we're going into the new year. I want you to take a look at your life and ask yourself the question, am I living the life that I really want to live? Is what I'm doing meaningful and does it have purpose? Am I living to make money and have fun or am I living to have it all and leave an impact? I just want you guys to think about it. There's no right or wrong answer. I just want you to think about it and see how this feels to you when you answer the question. And start writing down some goals for yourself for this year. Really start writing down, you know, how do I want my life to look like? Just write it out and think about what do I want my days to feel like? Who do I want to be spending time with? How do I want to make an impact? What are the things I want to be doing? Just write it out and see what comes up for you. There's no right or wrong answer here either. It's just see what comes up for you and see if your life is on purpose right now and if you are doing things that you want to be doing and what feels inspiring to you. Thank you guys so much for being on this episode with me. Please share it with your friends over on Facebook and Twitter and uh, leave Scott a comment over on Twitter as well and let him know what you thought about this episode. We'll have all of the information and the show notes back at lewishouse.com slash 117. That's lewishouse.com slash 117 to get all the information about Scott, Charity Water. Find him online on social media. You can get all those links back there at lewishouse.com slash 117. You guys are incredible, and I can't wait to talk to you guys soon. We've got some big episodes coming up next, so get ready. And you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. Thank you.
A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are.